welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the program, and it is show number 186. Happy to be with you. Happy to be live here on Facebook. Proud member of the Education Podcast Network, Voice Ed Radio Canada, iTunes, or wherever you are viewing or watching, uh, uh, listening to the podcast. Happy to be with you. Show number 186. We are going to meet today, my friend Trent Grunmeyer from Iowa. Learned a lot about Iowa in the past year, made connections with folks, and Trent is one of those guys. Uh, Drake University, we're going to talk about hiring. We're going to talk about leadership. Uh, he's a professor, so he's got a lot going on. Was the youngest principal in the state of Iowa and also an award-winning principal. We will meet Trent in a moment. I do want to thank today's sponsor of the show. It is holiday time. Havesies Cookies. We're going to send some to Trent and his family. Havesies Cookies. Check out uh, them. Havesieskookies.com. Discount code Murata15. We'll catch you a couple bucks off. But you want to send a gift. You're going to someone's house for the holidays. Get some Havesies Cookies. They're fantastic. Uh, my friend David Mafai here in New York. He'll ship them. He'll vacuum seal so they're fresh for you. Uh, but I do want to thank them for sponsoring the program. And uh, use that discount code Marada 15 has these cookies. We appreciate them. Great for holiday time. Show number 186. Happy to be with you. Uh, sorry about the music. I had some tech difficulties here and I, I deleted it off my screen. I don't know what happened. Um, so hopefully the technology will work. So let's talk today. Our opening concept is about getting people's attention when you get hired, right? Uh, I've been in my district now 17 years, and uh, um, come springtime, right, come in, in January and February, right, it turns into hiring season, and districts around the country are going to be interviewing people and hiring people. And how do you get noticed? How do you get the job uh, that you're looking for? And what are the people that are hiring looking for? That is one of Trent's specialties. That is one of... Uh, his company, uh, Grunmeyer uh, Leader Services, they do a lot of that. They lead districts uh, in hiring processes from superintendents to other leaders in their district. So I'm curious about his take on that. Uh, but a few things that I look for, right? Um, I look for somebody who's all in, right? I want them to be all in in my district. I don't want any renters, right? Someone who's just showing up and then leaving. Uh, but more uh, fully invested. And a couple of things, right? Do they have to live close by? It's hard for someone to be fully invested in your district if they live over an hour away, right? That's something that jumps off the page. Number two, have they been two years, one year, two years, three years? Sometimes I know it takes momentum to get caught on. And as you're starting, right, you might change jobs and that happens. But if there's a pattern of someone being only a couple years there, uh, that would also get my attention in a negative way uh, that that might not be maybe the person uh, that we're looking for. And lastly, do they love kids, right? Do they love education, right? Sometimes the kids could drive us crazy and this business could drive us crazy. But at the end of it, I'm looking for evidence that they love kids. They're invested in the best interests of kids. This is a business for kids, not for the adults. And sometimes that gets turned around. Uh, and we got to stay focused on our kids. So those are some things that I look for as a school leader. Uh, and I certainly am going to ask Trent uh, what his 
uh, take on that. Let's bring Trent into the program here. Uh, well, welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Trent, there you are from Iowa. Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Thrilled to be here today, and uh, thanks for having me on. Look forward to our conversation. I know we've had some back and forth. We've had some reschedule. We've had some technical difficulties, but we made it. We made it. That's life. I think uh, post-COVID in our crazy world, uh, we're survivors. Yeah, surviving and thriving for sure. Uh, this is Trent Grunmeyer, and again, Trent is the uh, owner of Grunmeyer Leader Services, and he's the associate professor of uh, professor of Ed Leadership at Drake University. Um, let's start there, Trent. You're a professor uh, at Drake or an associate professor. Um, tell me about how did you get rolling with that? How long you've been there, and uh, a little bit about what you do there. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Uh, associate professor at Drake. I've actually been uh, here at Drake for uh, eight years. And I'll just give you a little track record there. I, I actually started back in the day in college and pre-vet. Didn't love chemistry. Took an education class, quite honestly, and never looked back. Uh, been in education my entire career. Started as an elementary PE teacher and, and, and then middle school health. And was very fortunate after finishing my master's degree actually at Drake University. Um, I got a, a principal job when I was 25, as you mentioned at the start of the show, uh, to be a high school principal. So a big learning curve. Wow. Uh, high school of about 500 kids in north central Iowa. And uh, really rocked and rolled. Uh, loved it. Got, got laptops in the hands of kids. We added soccer program. Um, just really had a had great experience. Uh, then went to a, a larger high school, about 1,200 in Iowa. Uh, at age 29, uh, did laptop initiatives, had a great experience there. And as you noted, I uh, had a nice honor, uh, 2013 uh, High School Principal of the Year in Iowa, which was just a great connecting and networking opportunity and a nice compliment to my career. Right before, actually, uh, I went to the university where uh, I train and joke around that I corrupt future principals and superintendents as well. So <laughs> that's just a quick uh, elevator speech of my journey. And I uh, love, love my role at Drake and uh, also the work that I do around the state and the Midwest in, in hiring superintendents and principals, as you noted, uh, as well. You got going a, a lot going on. You're, you're around leadership and in, in everything that you're doing. Um, so tell me, you have you have educators that are taking courses to become administrators. Is that the work that you're teaching uh, at Drake? Yeah. Yeah. We have an education leadership program with principal licensure. And then the one that I advise is for superintendent licensure, and it's a different track. Both of those can be aligned to doctorate programs as oh, well, wow. so a lot of options for students. Wow. And are you seeing anything, Trent, with what's going on with COVID, the pressures of the school leaders, people saying, no way, I'm not, I'm not signing up for that. And, and has there been a drop or a, a decrease in the people you're seeing? Too early to tell in Drake uh, or at Drake, I will actually tell you our numbers have been pretty good. The new track, quite honestly, is, uh, and Iowa's a little unique, but it's kept not across the country. Uh, the instructional leadership track is kind of the new track to the principalship, at least. And, and that's where, you know, they might go from a, being a solid teacher to being an instructional coach to being an assistant principal or principal. And then they might consider a few years later to get the superintendent endorsement. So we've seen that our numbers have been good to answer the question directly, uh, but we've seen that instructional leadership track kind of the new norm in regard to uh, building and then uh, district leadership. Yeah. And you got in early and we're going to get to that, Trent. 
What are some of the challenges you are seeing from new administrators? Some of the concerns you're hearing, or maybe some of the some of the ways they're they're, they're not starting themselves off so well, being that you're teaching them. What are some of the things you're hearing and seeing there? Yeah, well, there are probably no surprises to a couple of these, um, but the the first one is just navigating the politics uh, of some of this, the hot button issues. You know, masks are the obvious one. So you're hired as a new administrator, and you come in. People are already divided. So I see boards and high teams looking for people that have a leadership style that will be inclusive and listen, but also um, walk the line of being able to make decisions and hold true to policy. And that's a right. That's an art, uh, especially being new. So I think that's the most uh, timely challenge that 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 either building and district leaders are walking into uh, that have recently been hired. Uh, because of that, I also see a lot of, um, I call it maybe compassion fatigue. I think that's even a, 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 a legit phrase. Yeah. I'm not just making one up. But where principals and superintendents are, are trying to serve their, their community, uh, their, their families, uh, their colleagues, their teachers, their staff, and, and they just are getting burned out. And I think that's happening for teachers, too. They're, they're trying to serve their families and kids. We're just in a very difficult personal and professional time in education right now, and and, and I hope it gets better. Uh, it worries me for, for the profession of education going forward, but I see that as another big challenge, balancing that personal and professional uh, uh, responsibilities that, that is burning out some good people. Just to name a few. Yeah, no, understood and agreed there, and uh, it is a balance. We have to take care of ourselves. and. I know right after this, you have events that you have to go to and I have stuff I have to go to. Um, but it's good to have people like you that are helping mentor and guide and grow uh, these new school leaders. 25 years old, Trent, you were 25 as a high school principal. How did that happen and how did you survive? Well, hey, Andrew, they were desperate. I think that's <laughs> not what happened. Uh -huh. No, you know, it was, it was, I was a small state, a lot of, a lot of connections, probably like any state, but uh, there were some connections. And um, you said, you know, I, I love what you said earlier about all in, being all in. And what I, you know, and at 25 with no children and a supportive uh, wife, I was able to say, I'll be all in. Yeah. And, and that's what they happened to look for. So, you know, I thought I was able to relate well to students. I was able to get in the community, as you mentioned as well. I was all in. And um, that served me well. Um, and so I, yeah, I joke around, had a great run, heard a lot. Hey, you're young enough to be my son or grandson. And so once we got over that, we got down to what's best for kids and how can we improve this school and, and just really enjoyed my time there at Hampton-Dumont. And when people said, Trent, you're, you're too young to lead, you didn't teach long enough, when they gave you all the reasons that you couldn't do it, how did you respond to that? I, you know, I, one thing is talking, and I just, you know, what you say may or may not matter, but the follow through, you know, instead of thinking I knew everything about how to teach science or social studies that I'd never taught before, I'd get in the classrooms and try to ask the right questions. Instead of talking about what's best for doing, uh, uh, what's best for kids, I'd bring the building leadership, uh, along, uh, building leadership team, I could say, along and say, let's decide together what's best for kids and then uh, we'll make it happen. Uh, so, for, for example, um, you know, my dissertation was around uh, college readiness and, and laptops for high school students. I'm very passionate about it, and I knew quite a bit about it. But we some timely happened. We had some Microsoft settlement uh, money, a couple mm. hundred thousand dollars. 
and teachers were saying, let's get permethium boards and whiteboards and elmos in our classroom. And I said, hey, I've done this little study, and I can tell you if we put technology in the hands of kids, it's going to make them more college ready. So I was able to pull together some data with this money, and we, we were one of the first, uh, it, it seems probably old school now, but we were one of the first schools in Iowa to have uh, every kid to have a laptop computer. And it was a game changer for some of our most impoverished kids and families. Yeah. And if you have a little success with things like that, then people are willing to listen, obviously, and you can move them. And just had a great run, but I certainly didn't do it alone. And you, it, right, we sound like we're talking about the olden ages, right? Before they had computers, right? They all have computers in their hand now, but I yeah. certainly remember that time. And kudos to you for making that happen. Trent, what do you think were some of the things that, that led you in 2013 to become Principal of the Year? That's a pretty nice honor. Um, you know, what were some of the things that you did as a leader that people noticed that, that brought that out, that award? Yeah, when I was hired at the, the larger district here in Iowa, you know, I, I followed a gentleman who was a great leader, but his style was probably more around the management. And so when the board hired me, they wanted much more instructional leadership. And what we were able to do is, is really kind of deliver on that. Um, you know, we did engage technology, uh, again, in the classrooms, integrate. But I was, I was much more of an instructional leader there. And so if I had to just say one thing that I think was the game changer there, it was making decisions based on what was best for kids and being a strong instructional leader, working with and, uh, and, and beside teachers, which was a whole culture shift yeah. for that school. And I think, honestly, if, as I reflect on it, there's a lot of details and work that went into that, and it wasn't easy. It was not easy to change the culture, let me be clear. Um, and not everybody loved it. Um, but over the course of three years, we really did change culture to, to student-focused and instructionally-focused, and uh, I would credit that for, for that nice honor. And that's great to hear. It's refreshing to hear because we as principals – we can become little business managers, right? We're, we're fixing stuff. We're getting substitutes. We're doing all this other stuff, except the number one thing, right, is to, is to guide that instruction, to make that great instruction. And it was great to hear you say, along with and besides, not at, right? And I think that's so important for leaders to hear. Yeah, most of the time, at least. There's always some tough conversations where you had to bring people along more directly. But any, any reasonable uh, educator that knows you're working in the best interest of kids, uh, they will come. They will come if you give them the why, thanks to Simon Sinek. And some of those others you just bring along, but you don't wait. You don't wait for every light to turn green, right? Because uh, they're never all going to turn green. Uh, you get the critical math, and you do what's best for kids, you work hard at it, move forward. And I love that you're pointing it out like it wasn't all perfect, right? You were super uh, principal of the year, right? People think, oh, it was easy. Oh, he's being, you know, it's hard work, right? And not, and not everybody likes it. And not everybody likes you. Uh, yeah, I, I still remember the notes in my box six months in saying, why don't you leave? <laughs> and tough conversations with teachers. Yeah, it, it wasn't uh, roses and, uh, and, and, and uh, a cushy path, uh, but we got there. And I'm, I'm pleased to say, I didn't lose too much sleep, and, and I think we made most decisions based on what was best for kids. Awesome. Awesome. Well, congratulations. And, you know, another thing you're doing leading is helping districts find leaders. Right now, it's, it's, a, it's a hard time getting the right person, uh, superintendents and principals. How did you get going into starting Grunmeyer Leader Services? Uh, what motivated you to kind of do that? 
Yeah, great question. I appreciate you asking that. Um, so, you know, eight years ago, I, I came to the university and I uh, knew that was kind of a fork in the road. Um, so this was my opportunity, I thought, to kind of rebalance life a little bit and still have an influence on education. So uh, I made a decision to, A, do most of my research uh, with, with K-12 educators and in the field. And I still can do, continue to do that today. I want to I provide meaningful research that it informs the field that makes a difference. And, and so in, in doing that, advising the superintendent program at Drake, I would have other search firms and hiring teams come in and talk to our students about how to prepare now that they have this degree to get a job opportunity to influence a building and a district. And quite honestly, without saying anything negative, I just felt over time I could be more transparent. I could be more objective. I could be innovative in the hiring process. And I felt like there was space in the market. And so I just put my, my, my the rubber where the, uh, the road met and went to work. And one turned into three, and three turned into eight, and eight turned into 12. And, wow. and last, we did uh, 31 searches here in Iowa, Nebraska, uh, in the Midwest. So excited about it. And it's not me alone. Now we have seven consultants that work uh, and some other folks that do some side work for us. Uh, but our reputation, I think, is, is, is certainly uh, getting us more business. Yeah. That's awesome. Let's hit pause for a second. My friend AJ Bianco from uh, New Jersey is watching here, and he asked, what advice would you give to new school leaders? Well, how much time do we have? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I actually have a, a presentation really on this and what we try to do. Number one is, and I could take this a lot of ways, but if you get a new job, my number one advice for a new leader, whether it's a principal or a superintendent, is take care of your family obligations first. I've heard time and time again that, you know, they don't get the kids in school or there's an issue with registration. They don't get their household and a new house bought in town. Um, there's personal things that get in the way of the professional obligation once your contract starts that can really eat at or take away from your effectiveness getting started. So the number one thing that I would tell you is actually try to address and make sure your family's content with the transition. I think that's critical. Number two is uh, get to the district if you can before you're even on contract to start being visible and building relationships before you even formally are on contract. That's a huge peace of mind for the people you're going to be working with will help you uh, be successful. Uh, number three, sorry, but this is just pretty fresh to me. Uh, but number three is if you can go in with an entry plan, whether formal or informal, and convey your plan and your intentionality about getting off to a good start, I think that helps you be very, very, very successful. And then if I had to add one other one, Andrew, it would be um, it would be, be very respectful and intentional about uh, the position of the exiting principal or superintendent. Don't step on their toes, work side by side, and have a conversation right up front when you get hired about how that transition plan should look, but people's feelings aren't hurt, and it's just really clear to, to everybody involved and how that transition should go. Yeah, that's probably my best honest uh, advice to answer that question. Yeah, great answer, and I know AJ's a, uh, an assistant principal in New Jersey, soon to be a principal one of these days, and uh, that was well said, Trent, so I appreciate, uh, appreciate that. Back to your the leader services. So, what are some things that uh, you know you look for? Right, I, I talked in the pre-show about some things that you know you you know that jump out. Right, like wow, this is the candidate, or wow, this one really stood out. 
What are some of those things that, that stand out to you as someone who does it often? Yeah, no, another great question. Uh, first of all, let me be clear. When, you know, our process is very transparent. So, uh, you know, what I try to do with hiring teams and school boards is help them identify who's the candidate that is really going to move you forward. Now, it's an art and a science, right? They got to like the person, they got to connect with the person, but you also don't want them just to like and connect with the person. They got to deliver, they got to move you forward. And so I try to front load our process in, you know, what kind of call, we call them desired qualifications, are really going to move your district forward. And then to hold the hiring team and school board accountable to what that is. So when I'm looking for a particular district, I'm looking for the things that we set up front are going to move them forward. Not necessarily what I think or like, because it's different in, in suburbia versus, you know, very rural. It's very different what they want. So it's not about what Trent Grunmeyer wants. It's about what they want. And then trying to find that fit or that match and being more objective about that than if they could do it on their own. Um, now, I will say, with that being said, some of the things that I look for in the applications and the interviews are how people connect and resonate with the board. And in their application, I look at, did they talk about me or did they talk about we and what they can offer them, meaning the district that they're applying in? I see that as, a, as really an insight to their style and if they're going to be a servant leader or if they're really a leader that's that's perhaps overconfident. So It's so important, right, to get the right person and to do that. And uh, I think that's great. That's not something we see here often in the, in the Northeast. Uh, a lot of districts do their own. I mean, superintendent searches, you hear that. Uh, but good for you for kind of growing that because you want to get the, the right person uh, in there. Uh, and I know I've made mistakes, right? I, I, I call it, you got hoodwinked, right? Someone shined you. How, how do you, Trent, what are some things you look for being on that side of the table? Like, ah, that, you know, that maybe they're, they're blowing smoke or like, you know, what are some red flags maybe that you, you see? Yeah, we do one thing that's unique, um, and I'm not trying to sell this tool, but it's something called advanced insights. So when we have candidates apply, they actually take an EEOC compliant inventory that assesses their disk profile, their values, and then their dimensions. Wow. So a, a little bit of that objectivity that I'm talking to you about, Andrew, we try to substantiate, we do substantiate based on that tool and then reinforce it with references as well. So we really try to triangulate uh, the hires. So it's not just based on a formal interview, but it's based on some science. It's based on what references and not just the references they put in, but other people that we call uh, and and the formal interview. So there's a lot of data and information about that person. So even if they're saying something that sounds shiny, you can either um, dispute that, temper it, or, or throw it out based on what you've heard from references and then this advanced insights profile. So I really feel like we have a good track record because we're not just, just listening for, for one answer. We're making sure it's, it's backed up. I love it. And I love the concept of what you said. You and I have a bunch of interests. I didn't know that about the vet uh, and chemistry because I was going pre-med until I got to organic chemistry too. Um, but officiating, right? People used to talk about basketball officiating. Trent was a former official. I'm a former official as well. And they talked about that, right? The balance between the science or the, the, the strictness of the rules and the art, the way you did it, the, your body language, the way you talk to the coaches. 
uh, it is. It's a perfect mix of art and science. And I, I agree with you about the hiring. That was a great insight. Yeah, no, I, I think I learned a lot. And I, yeah, I love, now you're making me jealous. I'm not on the court more often, Andrew. I'm not, or I, first thing I can ever say, I retired at, uh, but I might come out of retirement someday, but I uh, had a great run. And, you know, I think being a principal helped me be a good basketball official. And I think being a basketball official and, 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 and you know, leading and modeling that art and science, the conversations and good mechanics and body language and all that helped me be a good principal. So I, I credit a lot to that. And miss it, by the way, but uh, love basketball. I agree with that. A lot of people used to say, how, how did you do both, right? And I, I kind of like, well, how, how couldn't I? Because those stressors canceled each other out, right? The energy of the court, you weren't thinking about the stuff at school and vice versa. But you and I could do a whole separate show uh, on that. Um, yeah. yeah, I love it, though. And uh, good for you for doing that. Uh, a little bit more about your company You've identified some of the stressors, some of the things that are dragging principals down, some of the things that are really kind of people leaving the profession. Talk a little bit about that research you're doing and then, you know, what are those stressors and then how are, how, how are you advising people to counteract those and do some things to help themselves? Yeah, I think that's, you know, as we talked about before, that's a big topic right now post-COVID and really anytime taking care of other people, not taking care of yourself um, and just getting pressed out. I got to give a lot of credit to uh, one of the researchers that I that I look at, uh, um, you know, he, he has some pretty good papers out there around uh, principal stress in particular. Uh, and a lot of the big stressors that are noted, and this was uh, his most recent study in 2020, was just on constant change, especially again with COVID. Yeah. Uh, some of the politics and bureaucracies and, and districts, parent relationships and, and pressures that they put on, on on educators, that compassion fatigue we talked about in serving other people, uh, the teachers union that can be uh, difficult in some places to work with, and then time-related stressors like just the, the mirage of tasks and duties that have to get done on top of everything else. And that work-life balance if there's pressure at home. And I'm, I'm highlighting some uh, of the stressors that were pointed out in his, his, his last uh, uh, research. I did a study uh, back in Iowa just for secondary principals uh, a few years back, and there was a lot of consistent things. But what surprised me in that, and I would, I would share with the audience here, is that retain, the, the, the study I did with secondary principals, I asked a question around what are the biggest factors in staying you know, so for, for boards and superintendents that don't want to leave the, lose the good principles, what can they do? And my hypothesis in that was actually that it was going to be more salary and benefits, right? I'll, I'll stay if they give me more. If I make a better salary, I won't go. And I was very surprised to find out that salary and benefits in that study a few years back was number three. Wow. That study. Number one was how content their family is in the district and community. So... That's interesting to me. And number two was how clear is my duties and expectations from the superintendent and board? And I think that's just been, you know, reconfirmed in education right now. Salary benefits was obviously number three. So when I hear boards talk about more salary to, to, to the high school principal who's really good or trying to keep a, an assistant principal who's looking at being a head principal in a neighboring district, I temper them quickly and say salary's part of it. But have you considered taking some night supervision away? Is their spouse and kids content in town? Some of those things, um, because I know 
uh, those weigh in on, on top uh, you know, factors and retention as well. So I, I just offer that. Yeah. Is it, is it uh, common out there, Trent, that you see that the administrator has to live in the district? Is that something that's, you see part of that a lot? Well, in, in Iowa in particular, in a lot of states, there's no legal mandate to do that. Um, they can incentivize it, but they can't legally make you live in the district. Yeah. But off the record, is it important uh, to be visible and engaged? hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent whether they can legally mandate it or not. Yeah. Sure, sure. I mean, because I, I see both sides of it. I live very close to my district, which I think is important, and I mentioned earlier. But it also, I have a little bit of separation that I can go to a restaurant. I can go because I'm in the next community. Uh, and there's pluses and minuses to it because if you are, you're always, you know, you're always on. You're all, you're out to dinner, and oh, there's the principal. And if you have a glass of wine, is somebody saying, oh, he's doing this or doing that? And it... You know, so I see both sides of that, but I agree with you about the importance of that. Uh, and, and you mentioned that about the family, right? Making sure your family is uh, uh, taken care of and, and feeling supported and that dad or mom is going to have some time to be home. So really, really great insights, uh, uh, Trent, and, and good luck with your company. I'm sure that is a service. Uh, is it growing? Is this something that you're finding more and more districts are looking for? Yeah. You know, you mentioned before there are not a lot of principles and, and that was the case when we got in the business as well but I, you know i think because we offer fair services and and you know like i tell them you get the wrong principle and there's legal fees and stuff you're you know you're going to be paying re react attorneys probably more than me so it's just critical you get the right 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 people and, and certainly i've networked in, in in iowa in the midwest here a little more than the east coast but uh, i think because of, of the reputation and some of the tools we've talked about uh, and, and the importance of getting the right person in this day and age in education, we've 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 done quite a few principles as well, and I think it'll continue to grow. Yeah, Trent, you mentioned family multiple times. I know you're you're married and you have three beautiful children, and their names got my attention. They're very unique, very different, uh, and it's it's Grade, Faith, and Truman. Are there some stories to the names and uh, between you and your wife there? Yeah, when you mentioned this, I was prepared to chat about this a little bit. Yeah. It's just uh, you don't think about it after you name them here much. But uh, our oldest was going to be Grace or Emma, quite honestly. We knew she'd be a girl. And, you know, the truth is uh, when, when, when we saw her for the first time, I, I kind of looked at my wife and I said, I think she's a Grace. And we agreed. We don't always agree, but we agreed on that. And so uh, she became a Grace. And then um, maybe this is too much information, but um, I love Faith Hill's music and she's a beautiful woman. And so when we, we our next uh, daughter, we knew we were having a girl. I, I proposed the name Faith to my, my wife, and uh, she said I, it just stuck. So that that one uh, uh, stuck for us. And then Truman, you know, my name's Trent, obviously. Middle name is Anthony, and so I wanted to go with Anthony for my son and maybe same initials. We kind of finding a T name. And my wife uh, actually said to me, what about the name Truman? And um, I was kind of on the fence on it a little bit, but I, I – Honestly, I looked it up and I said, what, is the, what does the name Truman mean? And the game changer for me was it means loyal son. Mm. Once I heard that, I was like, that's it. That's it. So that's how Truman stuck. Yeah. No college, no nothing, but, but uh, loyal son. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Uh, Truman Grunmeyer. There's a lot of strength there. Yeah, maybe. Uh, now, I don't hope he doesn't get in politics. Uh, <laughs> uh, or maybe, but... Uh, 
yeah, that's the story behind the names. Well, it's beautiful, uh, and congratulations. I got three, two. You and I have a lot in common, Trent. I, I, I definitely do. feel, you know, the basketball that you mentioned about the science, but it all goes back to leadership that we're trying to help other people do well in their jobs. We're trying to make school communities better. You know, I've heard people say the community is the school and the school is the community. And uh, kudos for you to try to continue to not only make yours better, but the, you know, all the, and, and growing the leaders. So you're doing a lot to move education forward. I love it. Uh, you know, I don't have to take too many energy drinks to stay motivated, quite honestly. I, you know, I'm fueled by I'd serving schools and serving people. And I remember reading a book once, you know, the money will come. You serve people. The more people you serve, you know, you, your livelihood will be taken care of. And so I just worked hard to try to serve people well. And then the reputation and, you know, making ends meet that is a byproduct of, of the service. Yeah. God bless. Uh, Trent, is there something that you wanted to talk about or share that I did not ask you? Yeah, I was thinking about this a little bit. Um, you know, I could take this a lot of different ways. I, uh, you know, I, this came up a little bit earlier than I expected, but, you know, I think right now uh, in education, I, I alluded to this earlier, getting people in education, I think, is going to just be a moral calling for, for all of us in education. And I, I'm really worried, uh, not to get down on, on on the podcast here, but I'm worried about people getting an education. Uh, the bad press, the, the salary isn't necessarily up there. Um, so I just want to take this spot to say and ask listeners to be very intentional about mentoring, um, giving people compliments, coming up with programs to give people in the pipeline. Uh, we got some unique programs in Iowa where associates and support staff that are non-certified can, can start to get their degree. And sometimes districts are starting to compensate them for that or even pay for their program if they'll stay in a district for some years. So uh, because you gave me the opportunity, I, I, I would just implore the audience to, to start thinking about how can we take care of the profession and get good people in in the ranks, uh, being an educator at every level, because I think our states and our country and the world uh, is, is counting on us. Yeah. And those kids in front of us, right, to make those experiences uh – you know, we all kind of grew up with a great feeling about school, right? Our teachers, and we did it. And it's, yeah, people are banging on educators there, and there's a lot of great people there. So uh, kudos to you, and I, I, I agree. Uh, Trent, let's go to rapid fire here. These are quick questions. The quickest answer, first thing that comes to your mind, are you ready? I'm ready, sir. Let's here, do it. Here we go. Last book you read. Uh, reading it right now, Touch Points. Touch Points, that's a good one. Okay. Last movie you saw? Uh, uh, maybe ashamed to say this, it's an old classic, uh, Home Alone with my kids over Thanksgiving break. We watched Number it one. Saturday night. Come on, that's a classic. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah, I love it. I love Joe Pesci. Favorite place to travel? Uh, Hilton Head, South Carolina. Nice. A podcast you subscribe to? Yeah, Jared Smith is an Iowa superintendent. I oh, yeah. actually sponsor his podcast, listen to most of them, was just on not too long ago, but it's called The Group Project Podcast. Uh, probably a little similar to this, education-focused, leadership-focused. Uh, love it. Love it. Learn a lot. Jared's doing great work. He's got his book out as well, and uh, I admire his work. Yeah, he, he does a great job there. Uh, how about you, uh, Trent? Your, your go-to stress reliever. Um, getting outside, I have an acreage uh, here in Iowa, about 14 acres, and I, uh, this might sound weird, but just getting out, doing something besides being on the computer, 
uh, whatever it is, whether it's uh, baling hay uh, or mowing lawn. Uh, I just like being outside and doing some manual labor. Is that what they call it, an acreage? That's what I call it. <laughs> I'm a yeah. I'm a city guy, Trent. You know, we got we got a stoop. You know, we got a front yard. <laughs> you know, you no, it's <laughs> I love it. Uh, at eight a.m. on Saturday morning, I feel. I feel good, depending on if it's a, a, a class day because I teach a lot on the weekends. So if it's a, a day I'm going to Drake to teach, then I'm I'm a little bit more. I'm not going to say stressed, but you know, you're on uh, for the day. If it's a day I'm home, then I'm looking forward to not having to shower and shave, at least uh, for part of the day, and maybe get into some college football. Uh, well, speaking of college football, Iowa, Iowa State or Drake, who's your team? Well, I, this isn't political, but I actually cheer for all of them, and I go to all their games uh, it, You know, when I can get away. Uh, I will be honest with you and tell you I, I love uh, Drake women's basketball and men's basketball. Um, I love Iowa Hawkeye football and Iowa State football. So if I had to pick my sports, um, I'd prioritize those a little bit. See, and I'm similar. People say that you got to hate one or the other. Like, I like the New York teams. I root for them all. Like the Yankees, the Mets, I, you know, I, I agree with that also. Yeah. Well, we, we uh, just so you know, I hope you don't shut the podcast off here, but, you know, we're, we're usually cheering for the hometown teams against any of those coast teams. So, cause, and they need our help most of the time. So, just so you know. I would expect nothing less. All right. Fair enough. Staying with sports here, what did Field of Dreams mean mean to someone from Iowa? Yes. I was so glad you asked this question or, or you told me you were going to talk about it. I got to tell you, I'm not a huge baseball fan, especially Major League. But that game at that time in that setting was amazing. And uh, I had friends there sending me um, pictures and videos. I think our country needed it. Yes. It was the first major league games played in Iowa. The game itself couldn't have went better. Yes. And here uh, we got two teams coming back. I think the Cubs and the Red Sox. Yeah. It, it was awesome for Iowa. It was it was bigger than that. Loved it. Yeah. I mean, that line, uh, you know, it's just heaven, right? I mean, it's just it really, uh, I want to visit, but the game, it was phenomenal. I had tears in my eyes when Kevin Costner was walking out. Oh, that, and it's just, I love the movie. My, you know, my kids have watched it. I've been to Field of Dreams before. I mean, as a kid growing up and stuff, it's just a special place. I mean, it is just, it gives you goosebumps. Just a special, and it, it truly, you know, if you've never been to Iowa, I really think that setting, that game, really, it, uh, incorporates a lot of good about what what Iowa stands for. Love it. You got you know we're in the holiday time. We got New Year's. Uh, you know I'm I'm a belief you do something a little bit every day. But people got New Year's resolutions. What's something you have a goal here in 2022? I'm going to be honest with you. This is one that was a goal last year, and I struggle with it. It's it's a weakness for me, and probably others. But it's it's. I have a hard time being in the moment because I'm always thinking about the next thing, trying to multitask, trying to, I feel like if I get this done, I'll have breathing room later. And, and honestly, um, that my new year's resolution last year was to try to be more present, especially with my family. And so I'm putting that back up. I'm going to recommit as long as I can, but whether it's a meeting or family time, I'm going to try to be more present in, in 2022. I love Trent. <laughs> Again, you could, uh, there's a similarity with Trent Grunmeyer and Andrew Murata there. Uh, very nicely said. Trent, if people want to learn more about the work you're doing, what's the best way uh, they can get in touch with you? Well, my website is Grunmeyer, 
leadersearch.com. All my contact information, emails there. Heck, I'm, I'm a wide open. Twitter is at Runlayer Leads uh, with an S. Uh, pretty accessible. Um, you can call me on the phone. I'd love to connect. Uh, you know, again, I build a business around networking. Uh, if I can help, if I can help people, whether it's a conversation about a job or not, a move or not, getting into a degree program uh, or not, or just thinking through that, uh, reach out. I love to connect with people, however you can get in touch with me. And I'll, I'll share my contact information again with you as well, Andy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, our friend AJ from New Jersey, he wrote about being present is great. I know he's got a busy life. I know that's a challenge for him also. So uh, being in the moment, right? He's asking what's next. <laughs> Us leaders are always going on to the next thing. Uh, Trent, it was finally great to have you on. Uh, we, we had to juggle some technology here. Uh, but it was nice to talk. It's, it's great and refreshing for me to hear somebody that's doing the great work to grow leaders like you're doing. So I applaud you and I wish you the best in your journey. Andrew, thanks for having me on. I hope I left some things that uh, resonate with people. And thank you for your work as well. And, and happy holidays to you. Thanks so much. Guys, Trent Grunmeyer here on episode 186. Uh, Trent, we're going to have to exchange uh, addresses. I'm going to send you some Hazzy's cookies for the holiday. Uh, please check them out as a sponsor. Uh, and Murata 15 is that discount code for you. Trent, stay on the line for a second. We are going to sign off here on education, leadership, and beyond. Uh, if I can help you in any way, don't hesitate to reach out at Andrew Murata 21 on Twitter. And uh, Trent, people on Twitter again, uh, one more time. Yeah, Grunmeyer. G-R-U-N-D-M-E-Y-E-R, -E -E Leads, L-E-A-D-S. Look me up, connect, glad to help. Nice, and here's AJ leaving a nice comment again. Uh, we're going to sign off. I screwed up my exit music here, so uh, there's no exit music. So signing off, show number 186. Thanks, everybody. Keep rolling in your journey.